0: Welcome to Team Rabbit Hole Edition 164, Refine That Mind with Jordan Bates. New Earth Entrepreneur, Globetrotter, Creator, Founder of Refine The Mind join the team as we say hola to an Aries getting it done on multiple fronts. Well, met, Jordan.
1: Hello, hello. What up, dude? Uh, Raphael, for the record, that was a pretty trill track. I like how it chopped. I wasn't expecting that. Good job. Uh,
2: Jordan, how dost thou fare? Uh, I'm faring quite well. Uh, a bit tired today. But you know, going with the flow. It is a full
1: moon. I'm not terribly surprised you're tired. It's a full moon in Aries. You're in Aries. And Mars is in retro in Aries. So, and Chiron's in Aries. Astrologically speaking, there's some good reasons as to why you might be not feeling it. Um, But this episode, 164, uh, is going to reduce to... um, Wait, am I saying that right? What number is this?
0: 164, yes. This would be
1: 11 or 2. I'm having to make decisions. I'm going with justice. We're going with 11. Yeah, okay. I was like sitting here. You'd think I was being stoned. I'm not even stoned. So um, it's going to be 11, right? Yeah, okay. Now I'm getting it. The reduction is a justice card. Uh, It's I reap what I sow. I choose to walk the path of truth. This is about the principles of consequences. You reap what you sow, reclaiming your power, taking an honest inventory of your life, and acknowledging both your successes and your defeats. Raphael, what's the Galactic heritage card for this episode?
0: So here we are at 11, in this case, number 56, Orion, present timeline, healing crisis and purging. Whenever healing takes place, so does purging. This means that the old toxic energy has to be released. Often we interpret this release as a sign that things are getting worse. They are not. Even on Earth now, as we are purging and transforming, it looks like we are getting sicker, but we are actually releasing a lot of old toxic energy. This card asks you to not fear this purging process, because it is an essential part of transformation. In fact, seek it out. It is time to let go of some ancient patterns that you have carried for lifetimes. As they release, know that the purge is a good thing, is a good sign of healing.
1: So Jordan, out of curiosity, did either of those cards resonate with you?
2: Um, yeah, I feel like this uh, reclaiming power is, is, has been a major theme of my life for years and, and especially the second card. Um, just the idea of, of a global purge. It really does feel like we're in a time that's like a global ayahuasca ceremony where everything is coming to the surface to be released shadows just emerging from the darkness and um yeah as well i just kind of think of life as like a slow release ayahuasca ceremony so life just will find a way to bring all of our stuff to the surface sooner or later and the more we can surrender completely to that process and just allow the stuff to flow out of us the more the more um effortlessly and painlessly we can we can undergo those purges but if we resist them that's when they can be um yeah uh royally royally painful and suffering filled
1: i have yet to uh, ceremony ayahuasca myself but i've done dmt and uh, many other psychedelics a lot like tripped it once a week on acid for a long time um Rafael, i'm pretty sure has ceremony so he could understand your illusion more um what makes you feel – I mean, I you said it pretty succinctly, but is there anything in particular that you feel is happening that's very ayahuasca-esque? Or is it just like post-2012 high novelty kind of stuffs that you're alluding to?
2: Mm, well, it feels like the kind of – the global lockdown this year <clears throat> has been quite a pressure cooker, I would say, that just like – a lot of people suddenly found themselves. There was a major pattern disrupt, a major kind of glitch in the matrix, and a lot of people suddenly found themselves with a lot more alone time, a lot more isolation, being locked at home and in that case, I think that that functioned as kind of a a spiritual pressure cooker to bring bring dormant like shadow emotions to the surface. I think when we saw like a lot of the rioting in the United States, you know, there were there were certain like stated reasons for why that was happening, but I saw that as kind of just like the an effect of this kind of uh, almost ayahuasca esque like pressure cooker because what ayahuasca does is just there's such an influx of consciousness that and it, it kind of like scans your system and and just like. Uh, I don't know, almost brings the, the trauma release process into overdrive into an accelerated process so that you can like bring massive quantities of unreleased baggage to the surface into the light of awareness in a matter of hours and kind of dissolve stuff more rapidly than you normally would, which is why people sometimes say that a single ayahuasca ceremony can be like 10 years of psychotherapy. And so I kind of see the the pressure cooker of the lockdown functioning in a similar way. And yeah, I think the riots were, were kind of like an explosion of a lot of these shadow energies coming to the surface as a result of this uh, glitch in the matrix this year. I
1: definitely hear you. It's almost like a combination of um, I have the hurricane kind of situation. Everyone's usually busy, busy, busy. And then there's a space and it's like, Oh shit. And then in that kind of space or that, you know, stillness, a lot of, like you're saying, unresolved traumas, socially, personally, Economically, all these things, um, plus the cabin fever kind of aspect of the situation. I don't think you know it's not too surprising these things are happening at a level, and it's uh, it's about time. And astrologically speaking, I don't know how into astrology you are, but uh, it's not terribly surprising, um, given the Pluto and Saturn conjunction in Capricorn earlier this year, right when this was all popping. Death and transformation and karma and institutions in the world stage essentially. So. That's kind of what we see. And so, Jordan, I have no clue how I turned on to you. Um, It's funny like that. Facebook is a—I'm imagining through Facebook at some um, level—a common friend, or you posted something cool and I added you, or something happened. I have no clue. Maybe a common group, like a McKenna group or a Alan Watts group, psychedelics group. Um, But we've been friends for a minute, and uh, I saw you posting something at one point, like it was woke hip hop that you had written yourself. That was really interesting and fun. And that was kind of when I reached out to you. Um, I had kind of seen what you were up to semi-peripherally in the sense that I knew you were down uh, below, uh, down in Mexico, um, but uh, I didn't really know if like that's you know where you live and all this kind of stuff. So do me a favor, and you can be as long-winded or as short-winded as you prefer. Um, kind of give me a context of where you grew up, like cultural values, who you are, how you got to where you are now, kind of thing
2: word all right cool um yeah wow it's kind of wild to think think of like love story at this point i guess um i yeah spend more and more time just kind of like deep deep in the now these days like kind of letting go of the stories and just allowing life to kind of flow through me and animate me um, but of course, I, I do still have stored memories of of the the origin story, according to the uh, the impressions uh, that that are in my mind, whether they're accurate or not. So what um what comes to mind is basically that I was born in Spencer, Iowa, in the United States in 1991. Lived there for the first 18 years of my life. Uh, I, Spencer, Iowa, town of 12,000. Charming place in a lot of ways. Pretty good place to grow up um, from a certain perspective. Um, just like safe, kind of classic Christian values, America. Um, lived there the first 18 years, as I said. In some ways, though, from another perspective, it was like um small town USA is really is quite a vacuum in a certain way. It's a bit like um 1950s America just got like frozen in time and um, and things can be a bit out of date in different ways so I feel like I was quite out of touch with the larger world um, for the first 18 years of my life and then I went off to university uh, when I was 18 went to the University of Nebraska Lincoln and when I was about 19 there things took a pretty interesting turn when I was first guided to um magic mushrooms and yeah yeah. (laughs) Yeah, had so that was about 10 years ago now and um that was really you smoked
1: weed or anything before that
2: yeah yeah so i guess i i smoked weed when i was like uh 18 or so for the first time and i had started to smoke weed a fair bit and kind of a typical story i just started wondering like um well, damn, it seems like I was really lied to about weed and how dangerous this is and, and how fun and cool it is. So what else was I lied to about? I want to like try some other stuff. Um, and yeah, <laughs> mushrooms came across my path and it was just like, oh, yeah, these are supposed to be fun. I don't really know what's going to happen, but let's just eat some. And the Alma Brothers
1: like like, hell yeah,
2: let's try it. <laughs> walk around campus. <clears throat> and um, yeah, that was... That was pretty wild. I remember that first trip, just talking to my friend about like, dude, we need to get more of these. This is like, we need to go live in the woods and just like be naked. <laughs> and we're seeing like uh, auras around trees and stuff like this. And just kind of just super archetypal, like uh college stoner g- gawking at gawking at the wonderland that has been revealed by peeling back the kind of conditioned um, filters on perception. Just like widening the the <laughs> the kind of uh oh what what was it like the Huck, aldous huxley called it like the the some kind of reducing valve like like the mind the thinking mind is typically like a reducing valve of infinite consciousness it gives us kind of like the drip 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 that we need to function in this world and psychedelics can kind of like widen that valve temporarily so that you get a a sudden massive influx of consciousness and um and yeah you'd return to a more childlike state and get a, get a sense again of what the world would look like if you were seeing it for the first time. And so some of that was going on and in that first experience, and that led to a few additional experience, some additional experiences in my college years with, uh, MDMA and LSD and other mushroom trips. And what were you studying? Um, so I didn't, Uh, Declare a major for about a year, ended up declaring English literature with an emphasis in creative writing, minored in philosophy and Spanish, and basically just, yeah, purely went by which classes actually captivated me. Like the the smaller discussion-based classes um, were kind of a revelation because they actually uh, cared about... My perspectives on things for most of my life, the education system had just been this like pitcher cup model where it's like we, the teachers on high already have all the answers. The experts figured everything out. It's all in the back of the textbook and you just need to memorize it and regurgitate it at the proper times. It's like a mother bird. Open wide. (laughs) Just take it. (laughs) Yeah. Rather than nurturing the individual soul's unique like creativity, curiosity and – um kind of like opening you up to the great mystery and saying, yeah, we we don't actually know what this is. And, and, you know, you should find your own truth. It's just more of a, you know, the education system, I feel is like about a century out of date. It was mostly created to churn out like factory workers. And it pretty much just functions as like a child prison indoctrination system in a lot of ways. So when I hit some of these classes that actually were, we were reading a lot of the great, uh, canonical literature of the West and and being asked about our to formulate our own perspectives and ideas on it um, that combined with psychedelics those were and, and meeting some unique people these were all different things that started to kind of I would say reactivate my childhood curiosity where suddenly I just started to really experience a profound paradigm shift of identity started to identify more as like a student of life student of nature realizing that I could like discern, discover my own truth, and that this this suddenly became profoundly important to discover my own truth about what was happening. Um, and so that's kind of how I ended up in English lit and philosophy. And then on the side was having my psychedelic adventures to further um, study reality. <clears throat>
1: The idea of uh, Half-Baked when John Stewart's like, have you done this on weed? It's like, have you done creative writing and Shakespeare on mushrooms? <laughs> it seems like you got to a place um, – and it's not too surprising in a way that uh, biologically speaking our eyes dilate on certain psychedelics. I think that is a, an apt physicalized metaphor of kind of the dilation of that drip you're talking about where it's like we open ourselves to more. I mean I know that's not exactly – what's going on but the idea there kind of translates at least visually for me where it's like yeah your eyes are widened and you get to see I mean it's almost like eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil or something it's like oh my god I was just kind of blithely going along and um, performing you know processes to uh, help me float well with my community or my family or whatever Um, and then usually people have well-awakening experiences on these things. Uh, people should be careful and do research. Don't just eat a fistful of acid or something like that. Um, but if you feel called these things dolphinly, inspect them. It's most dolphinly, team rabbit hole shit. Um, but I didn't mean to interrupt you. Was there anything like you were studying uh, in terms of the creative writing? Like um, you, know, you were saying uh, tomes of the West or whatever slash philosophy. Was there anything that really stuck with you? Were you really into anything in particular?
2: Um, for one, yeah, thanks for mentioning the responsible wise use of psychedelics. That's a really good point to always bring up because psychedelics are just like not something to be messed with at all is how I view them at this point, not something to take lightly. They're like, literally the most powerful psychotechnologies on earth for deeply reformatting like, uh, the you know the deep code of your perception and and just opening you up to entirely new realities that you could have never uh imagined previously so it's really important to do your research and seek out like a wisely cultivated context um, you know at the very least kind of trip with with a person you really trust who's done it before and can kind of guide you or seek out some kind of psychedelic retreat something like that always
1: arrowed.org i think it is you look up the report's <laughs> dosages don't just Be willy nilly, Um, but if the idea of you know taking the red pill, so to speak, or having a Doctor Strange kind of mind numbing situation uh, and expanding of consciousness appeals to you, uh, bark up that tree. Continue, sir.
2: Yeah. So as far as writers that really impacted me in college, first and foremost, Friedrich Nietzsche comes to mind. Um, I was assigned to read a good portion of Thus Spoke Zarathustra. And um, yeah, oh, Nisha, yeah. Really, <laughs> Nisha really hit me like a deep space asteroid just with his just thunderous prose kind of call to action to become what you are, you know, deliver a sacred no to all voices of tradition and all voices of all external sources that are attempting to dictate to you what you should be. Just basically deliver a sacred middle finger in the form of becoming a tenacious lion he basically said we're all born as like camels beasts of burden and the the path of liberation of the soul is to become first like a a lion and enter the loneliest desert where you deliver the sacred middle finger to everything that was ever taught to you everything you ever told you kind of put everything under the microscope and 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 reevaluate all values and only then can you enter the third stage which is to become like a child where you actually deliver the sacred yes to life and you become like a self-propelled wheel, just kind of animated by life in a most pure and organic way, just dancing to the rhythm, rhythm of your own spirit. Um, His extremely poetic and beautiful um, articulations of that idea really just like uh, struck a chord with something super deep within me. Um, So he, he, I think of him as one of my, almost like my first great liberating teacher who I discovered in a certain way. Although there were others like uh, Jack Kerouac, Allen Ginsberg, um, William Blake, William Wordsworth, Thoreau. Um, let's see. Yeah, I was reading Freud and, and Marx and Foucault and you know, a lot of these guys I wouldn't resonate with as much at this point, but just on sheer, like, um, tenacity of ideas and willingness to question everything, I started to really admire people like this, like, like really uh, intrepid souls who would just leave no stone unturned in their quest for truth and would question everything that came before them. So, that was, yeah, that was really activating for me. That's so, what I may. Uh,
0: I have two questions regarding... Uh... Nietzsche and Zarathustra, I'll just ask them both uh, in combination. Number one would be how you enjoyed reading it, as I can only assume you read it in English. I did not read much at all of Nietzsche, but I read Thus Spoke Zarathustra, or Also Sprach Zarathustra, I think is the correct translation. And at least in German, I was really astounded, not just because the content is amazing, which is part of my second question, but also because of the way it is worded and the german it's truly masterful and it's written in a se- in a way that it makes total sense but it also uh, keeps you engaged both in terms of content and also in terms of style and how much at least with a modern let's say german speaking mind you actually have to process to really properly understand what he's actually saying there so that i found highly interesting and uh, so i'd like to know uh, let's say your View on the artistic quality of it in English or stylistic quality, and the second aspect would be you kind of already spoiled it in a sense in terms of what he's actually talking about. But this is another of these kind of like contentious philosophers, and then people say, "Oh, he's talking about the Übermensch." So you know the how do you even say it? Über. Uh, I mean, Uber is even almost the, the, Superman. Word. the, the super. Exactly, has yes, Superman. Yeah. Here you go. If we use that word, it already sounds much different. But the, what I grokked from it, especially because I read like the first part, then I laid it down for you for year, For a few years, had some interesting experiences, picked it up again. And I was like, Oh, nice. All that this guy is talking about is you yourself, you know, adopting Buddha nature or connecting to your higher self or ascending to fourth density. That's actually what he's talking about. What's your view on those two ideas?
2: Yeah, great questions. Um, first of all, I read the Walter Kaufman translation into English, um, which for me, yeah, I don't speak German, so I can't read the original German, but I consider Nietzsche, even in translation, to be absolutely one of the greatest writers I've ever come across. Literally just unbelievably, unbelievably beautiful and poetic prose that is just so profoundly penetrating, so I mean he does so much with just single sentences. I think he he wrote that it was his ambition to say in 10 sentences what other writers would say in an entire book. And he also said something like give me a give me a pen, all I need is a pen and I will turn the world on its head or something like this. So he was he's just fucking epic writer. Um absolutely. And yeah, in terms of the content, I think Nietzsche is one of the most misunderstood and misinterpreted writers i really think depending on the paradigm of consciousness that a person is in when they read nietzsche they will derive very different interpretations of his meaning which is why which is why some people have yeah taken him to mean you know just throwing away all sense of all sense of morality and then people just going and like committing murders or doing like nihilism um, yeah
1: yeah It's funny because uh, not. I don't want you to answer this question, but like my impression because I haven't read his stuff um, is mostly coming from like the Doors movie with Val Kilmer and his like wilt power. (laughs) You know, it kind of uh, it's almost like it seems like um, kind of a a candle under the butt of people to kick them into their rage against the machine mode or something. They're like, yo, you've been lied to. Now go destroy the liars. That seems to be one of the reactions that can happen. But keep going with your thought
2: yeah i think that's you know he can be interpreted that way and has inspired many and angsty youth to kind of rage against the machine but i think like a more mature deeper reading of nietzsche is the recognition that he he was a mystic and became a profoundly like like uh poetic life-affirming soul over the course of his life he he wrote his later books like while while taking long like eight hour walks through the forest, and some of his key ideas would be like well, one key idea would be amor fati, the love of your fate. He became really, really deeply um, focused on this idea of just embracing your fate completely, like completely affirming this moment, and thus affirming everything that came before it, and thus kind of um, affirming all of reality, all of existence. And, and it's, yeah, again, there's so many possible interpretations, but I feel, I feel that he was, what he was really pointing to was, is is something along the lines of spiritual awakening or spiritual liberation. There's a, there's a book called Nietzsche and Zen that, that compares Nietzsche's, uh, liberating philosophy to, to the, to the approach of Zen. And I think, yeah, his, his ultimate, I mean, his, you know, it, it is really tricky. I mean, his his ultimate ideal is just for an individual to basically be what that individual is in the purest, most organic way possible, which could be, you know, I mean, could be anything and could potentially be things that, that the world would view as, as bad or wrong. But I feel like the, I don't know, my reading of Nietzsche, at least, and, and my feeling about him is that he was... In terms of moving beyond good and evil, he wasn't encouraging people to just, you know, just disregard morality and go out and and commit what would be viewed as evil actions, but he was just he was pointing to this space of consciousness that you gradually discover as you as you learn how to just like drop all the conditioning and all the stories that were implanted in your brain as you um as you grew up. And you discover the meadow that Rumi was talking about when he said, "Beyond right and wrong, there's a meadow. When the world lies, or when when the body lies down in that grass, the world is too full to talk about." He's talking about this like profound space of silence and presence and stillness that one discovers when one drops all ideas and all conditioning about reality. And it's from that it's from that space of total presence where where all all dualities all dualities good bad right and wrong light and dark it just all ceases to exist and all there is is the now and the all and and that is just moving you as if you were a child in the most organic way that is that is really the same path to mystical liberation that's been pointed to across the eons by so many great teachers christ himself also said you know you must become like children to enter into the kingdom of heaven and um and the kingdom of heaven too i think is is pointing at this space this non-dual space of consciousness which is just just goes beyond all projections of the mind which realizes that the map is not the territory and that we actually in order to experience the fullest liberation as a human being we have to really set all of the maps on fire all of the all of the dualistic notions that divide the world up into a world of separate objects or a world of good and bad right and wrong the only way to redeem everything is to go is to go entirely beyond that to the play to the space of pure peace that is just all embracing and that realizes that this entire kind of game that we're playing is is basically an emanation from the one divine consciousness of all that is and that we've all on the deepest level chosen to play this game which entails these kind of cycles and this dance of forgetfulness and remembrance and these different polarities and that it entails that because that's that's what it takes to create a truly fucking epic story. You need you need villains and you need quote unquote e- evil to have a fucking Shakespearean roller coaster ride of a fractal labyrinthine multi dimensional reality like the one we're in. But it's like at the end of the play, everyone um, takes off their masks and has a beer and has a laugh and remembers that it was all a game. And I feel like Nietzsche was was starting to tap into those sort of mystical and non dual realizations and so it's um but yeah it's it's very very easy to misinterpret him from from lower paradigms of consciousness or uh, maybe not lower let's just say more forgetful uh, paradigms of consciousness
1: well that was well said in a mouthful Raphael. what do you think
2: and
0: this
1: was team wrote up, no um that's what i keep repeating (laughs) Um, you know like thank you jordan right and you even said something i allude to a lot i forget who said it but the map isn't the territory i don't know if burning the maps is ideal uh but they're like holding on to them loosely is how i can operate um because references help i guess different variations of the spectrum of consciousness function um if we're all just dmt tripping all the time like we couldn't fucking eat or so you know like that kind of stuff so there's levels but it seems that uh like you were saying whether it's yugas or and, and the cycles within people's individual lives compared to the structure of society and the um, zeitgeist at large uh everything's as it should be and it's an interesting trip i kind of blurted randomly while you're talking tension like stories demand tension right uh if it's if there's no story if there's no movement dynamos or whatever uh toroidally kind of speaking Um, And not that things are good or bad, it just needs movement um, and, you know, complexity and resolution and then more complexity. Even in the Christian Bible, it's like, you know, Jesus comes back, there's a thousand years of peace and amen, hallelujah, New Jerusalem. And then that generation starts listening to the the evil one again. It's like, it's this recursive fractal, you know, the song, same as it ever was, the song remains the same kind of thing, Um, in the sense that, like. Even, I don't know, if uh, something I used to do, I t- said um, in the green room, I don't know if I said earlier, really, I used to trip like once a week uh, on acid, which is a lot of fun, but also taxing uh, mentally. But um, something I used to do was watch uh, Mandelbrot tours, like um, fractal zooms, basically. And what you find really quickly with those things is like there's stasis, but then there's like little moments of uh shift in a corner and then that suddenly rips through the whole thing and then now the color is totally different and, you, and there's a new normal. Um, so it's very similar to the dynamics of the Tao, so to speak, I think, where it's like it's all good, but then there's – I mean, what are your ontological presuppositions in terms of like good and evil? Like you were talking about, it's beyond good and evil. I think in a monastic kind of like – or monadic rather, um, kind of pull out like full zoom out like Joe uh, Jodorowski's Holy out like camera zoom. It's like, yes, it's all one. Cool. Um, but at the same time, I would, I guess, have I, – I, I don't want to speak for it. What are your thoughts on, like, personal responsibility and things like that?
2: Uh, I lost you for about five seconds at the end there. What was the oh. last bit?
1: Um, I'm just curious. Okay, so something – I'm a double Gemini, so I tend to struggle with polarity quite a bit. Uh, struggle is maybe not the right word, but I wrestle with duality, paradox, and stuff. So it's like, okay, so we're God in the flesh, or we're, you know, I am energy, or – consciousness however, everyone wants to coach this um experiencing separateness and human frailty uh, as beautiful as it is it's still tricky and weird um how do you balance that kind of situation in the sense that you know you're something more than like textbooks and cultures allude to and only the greatest poets hint at but at the same time like you need to like you know brush your teeth and fucking you know, get your heartbeat up a certain rate Mm -hmm. at some time, you know, like that tension of the balance. Mm -hmm. How do you, how do you, how do you look at responsibility in that sense?
2: Yeah. Great question. And I heard the part two where you're asking about how do you deal with like the, the good and evil thing, um, pragmatically. Um, yeah, what came up first when you were asking was that I hesitate to mention even this kind of beyond good and evil or trans trans moral thing in a in a public arena like this, although I think it's important to begin pointing at these things, um, at this point, at least it feels that way to me because that's what's coming out of my mouth, I guess. But um, I think it, it's it's very it's very, it's dangerous in a certain sense, in the relative human sense, it's it's very dangerous to expose people to ideas that morality is just another story of the human mind or does not. Uh, is 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 like a human projection onto reality at too early a stage of consciousness, because then that can result in, um, you know, a lot of, from the relative human perspective, destruction, destructive and and violent and um, atrocious actions, even though uh, on a deeper level, it's all perfect. But the way, the way that I see it is that there's, there's a point in the evolution of consciousness where you, you start to, move into this space beyond all do- beyond all separation where you actually see you don't just it's, it's, this is it's just to be just an intellectual or ideological or philosophical position that all is one and it actually becomes a real lived embodied experience where you directly in your day-to-day life have the capacity to just drop all like drop more or less all of your identities and conditioning and just see the person sitting in front of you as literally, you also like you in another disguise, or really your entire field of perception, you're just seeing as, as you, you see, you cease to identify with the apparent boundaries of the body, um, with this, with purely this body mind structure, and you start to just identify with the totality um, of what is experienced. And you start to realize that, all you ever see is is the now, and that that is all that is for you. And basically, once you start to have those experiences, you move into a space where you don't need uh, rigid moral dictates anymore. Because when you see that the person sitting in front of you is you, then that you that might respond the most, differently. <laughs> that is the, that is the most profound morality because you realize you can't do anything to anyone else in this world. Without doing it to yourself, all violence is self-violence, all hatred is self-hatred, all judgment is self-judgment. And so suddenly you're actually just gliding and flowing through life with like your operating system has suddenly been upgraded to the realization that treat others the way you want to be treated is actually – not just like a moral axiom, it's just pointing at the thing that just becomes like built in when you realize that there are no others, and it's all actually you. Um, And so I find myself kind of in that, like, transmoral fluidity in my day to day life. And so I feel that that you just start like, you just you just start having like an organic unconditional love and compassion i'm not saying that i have this in every moment i can still totally be like hooked back into separation um but but i'm kind of like integrating this operating system and the more that you embody that like effortless seeing that the other is also you then love is the only option love is just what flows organically through you you're not even deciding to act based on love it's just apparent that that is the reality to operate from. Um, So there's that with regard to that point. And I think um, as well, this kind of like fluidity is a good word for what happens. The more that you notice that you are not, you are not a body mind structure living a life. You are actually the totality living itself. You're not living life. Life is living you. You can you can attempt to do nothing in this world, but when you do, you notice that your heart is still beating, your lungs are still moving, your arm moves spontaneously, you get up to go and eat a sandwich, you get up to go to the bathroom, and you just can't help but actually live. And that's one way to begin to notice that action just spontaneously occurs of its own accord, and it's only a mental story that says... I am doing this and I need to choose X or Y and there are very important matters on my to-do list. And the more that you kind of let go of all those ideas, what you find is that you just do things in the now spontaneously and effortlessly, especially when all the energy that is normally being sucked up by these these, um, identities and stories that most people are identified with, as that stuff starts to dissolve The life force energy, the source energy of all that is, is enabled to animate you in a more – it's able to flow through you in an even more unimpeded way. And so you find yourself with – more energy than ever before, you find yourself not bogged down in the mental stories and anxieties that bog down most people. And so actually your functioning becomes increasingly effortless and fluid, and you just do the pragmatic day-to-day activities that need to get done, such as eating and brushing your teeth. And then you just find yourself naturally gravitating toward that which brings you intrinsic joy. You just, you just find this kind of thread of intrinsic motivation And you're just like gliding along, being more like generative and creative than you thought possible because suddenly you don't have this – so many mental stories um, taking up so much energy. You're just like a a wave and the ocean is just moving the wave and um, life can increasingly become that.
1: Beautifully stated. It reminds me a lot of uh, John Lennon in um, Tomorrow Never Knows where it's like, turn off your mind, relax, float downstream. It's like, yo, you got to turn off the monkey mind and just kind of be and that kind of kicked into the Alan Watts do, be, do kind of thing where it's like you are something that's doing actions but then your being, your consciousness is witnessing these actions so there's kind of a both and simultaneity um, and you kinda kind of focus on one or the other at any point it seems um, and that's kind of, you know, meditation and drug trips is like one element and then like, uh, you know, like functional necessities of societal life or whatever is kind of the other um rafael he said a lot about i think most of which you agree with i don't th- <laughs> i don't think you have any questions it's funny hearing uh you jordan talking it's very um like very bizarre kind of level stuff but you haven't really um you know you've been citing more philosophy like nietzsche is the inspiration for this uh yeah, rafael the other thing i tried to get at
0: just like you also mentioned Thoreau, and there have been a few years when i was like really reading a lot and then eventually I mean, reading remains relevant and being informed on so many different things, but then it kind of shifts when you realize you have access to a different modality of realization and gnosis. However, just like you mentioned with Thoreau, for example, I read Walden. However, what he is is simply a transcendental philosopher, and that's a philosopher. And that's also kind of what I keep repeating on here is that the perennial philosophy The true gnosis and you just gotta find the proper esoteric, properly understood what that means, sect within any religion. And lo and behold, they all speak of the very same thing. And then you look at, you know, psychologists and doing regressions, doing in between life, trance states. And lo and behold, they all come back with this, this very similar ideas in terms of patterns. So may it just be that that simply is the way it is. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, I appreciate the people are speaking about it eloquently enough to beat it into my head. It seems like I know these things when I'm on psychedelics, and then especially as a double jump when I start overthinking things. Um, and I've just built in a lot of static on the wire or chatter, so to speak. Maybe that's my trip, and I've got to overcome that or whatever. But. Um, yeah, uh, it seems like everyone's kind of uh, got their own trip going. Simultaneously, it's like a group solipsism hologram thing. So it's like what we do to each other matters. Like you're saying, ultimately, there's this kind of do unto others fundament because that is really what's, you know, it's not like like you would have, under, it's like you're affecting yourself. So, like, act like you know um that it's you or whatever right rafael so maybe um we can take a quick music break and then when we come back i kind of want to um if you want to we got to high school or you know college i mean um if you wanted to keep telling us how you got to getting into mexico what you've been doing with your businesses um maybe how you got into hip-hop all that kind of stuff whatever comes up is clever um this song is actually a stereo lab song i don't know if you know them they're french kind of philosophy-driven uh, 90s and 2000s band. And this made me... Th- I don't know why it made me think of you, because I don't know you know you, but like I thought you might dig it, so hopefully you do enjoy.
0: We re-emerge for Team Rabbit Hole Edition 164. Refine that mind with Jordan Bates. Well, have we gotten to college yet, Jim?
1: Uh, yeah, I don't have to get a fucking epic. I'm always just curious how monkeys got where they is. Um, but it's funny because here in that song, there was a few lines, it was like, uh, you know, he's gonna have to learn all this stuff because they're very existential French Marxist kind of thing. They're like, we're we're in the system, it you know, devalues people, we're just getting chomped up. It's really weird because the music's really pretty, usually. Um, stereolabs music that is coming off of Marjorie and Eclipse, I think that's the track there, too. Um, and yeah, so it's kind of like super like Rage Against the Machine lyrics, but like wrapped in like nice silk chocolate French lingerie or whatever. It's like sexy sounding. Um, but even one of the lyrics was like, he'll have to dominate. And I, part of me cringed because I thought... Uh, it's one thing that Raphael, he's a Libra, he's always like, I don't want to dominate anybody. Um, but that kind of plays into the um, self, uh, the will of self and Nietzsche and stuff like we were talking about a minute ago. So there's, uh, and it kind of resonates once again with the justice card of the episode where it's like, it's a balancing of like control, but not dominance at the expense of compassion, but not just open, you know, palmed enough where you ha- you just like, get tossed around by life and just say you know are nihilistic in that sense too i'm kind of rambling um we could talk about whatever but we were kind of picking up i mean we've just been going off in philosophy and stuff if you want to keep going down that rabbit hole that's cool if you want to keep going with the who you are kind of thing that's cool too whatever's clever
2: right on yeah a couple of things have come up based on recent things you guys said and then i'm happy to tell more of my story um i feel like there's a quote from eckhart tolle where he says something like Power over others is weakness disguised as strength. True power is within, and it is available to you now. Um, that just came up in reference to the the dominance thing. I think a lot of people think Nietzsche was talking about power over, um, which is how he, it, it's natural he'd be interpreted that way from like a lower um, developmental paradigm. But I think I think he was pointing at something more like what Tole is talking about, which is the the power of the now, the power of actually um, total, unconditional surrender to the now such that you are purely and organically animated by the totality of life to be what you are, <clears throat> be as you are in the most pure way. I think I think that is where true, the truest power lies because it's the power that then frees you from all external circumstances. If you can really surrender completely to that and discover your true nature in the now, which is not dependent on any circumstances. It's like a, a field of pure presence and pure awareness that is simply imperturbably peaceful and silent and unmoving, despite whatever the external appearances are. That is true power uh, that that goes almost beyond the human condition, which could be seen as, as one thing that Ubermensch may point at. I'm not actually sure how far Nietzsche got along the path. Like I, I think I remember Osho saying at one point that Nietzsche was the greatest philosopher and he kind of had these mystical insights, but they were still on a philosophical level. And he did, he wasn't sure if Nietzsche moved into the, like the deep embodiment of the operating system. I can't really, I can't really say either way. And, um, that brings me to one other thing that came up while you, while Raphael was talking right prior to the break, which was that, um, the books and authors I've mentioned so far were the ones who, Activated something in me about 10 years ago during my college years and there have been more authors more recently as Raphael said the purpose of reading kind of shifts over time you're not like you're not trying to accumulate intellectual knowledge it's it's almost more like you're reading to you're reading people who help you get more and more access to your own innate wisdom and power like so you can just connect directly to. You're the that that pure space of awareness and silence from which our our deepest wisdom flows, and then authors that can help you like integrate the transformations that you're actually going through on an embodied level. So in more recent times, that would be like Jed McKenna is probably the the most like atomic author I've ever read. Jed McKenna wrote the Spiritual Enlightenment trilogy. The first book is called Spiritual Enlightenment: The Damnedest Thing. I never mention that book without saying it's truly not for the faint of heart. Only read that book if you really want to, like, light yourself on fire and, like, burn away everything that is not truly you. And then apart from that, there's, like, um, Eckhart Tolle, Byron Katie, um, David Hawkins. Um, let's see. Who else? Lao Tzu has been a perennial favorite for many years. Um, Krishnamurti found valuable. Um Richard Sylvester, more of these like non-dual communicators, I guess. Ajashanti, also love Ajashanti. Um, so that's kind of where my my like reading, at least nowadays I seem to find myself reading either about like non-duality, non-dual awakening or about entrepreneurship. I'm like obsessed with the, the intersection of these things. And I also recently though, I reread the entire Harry Potter series because I love oh, that yeah. series so much.
1: Um. Yeah. I've read that for the first time a few years ago. I had gone, I've been <laughs> 35 now um, and I had, you know, gone stoned or drunk or whatever, to, uh, probably a few midnight movie releases over the years and just seemed like kids geeking out and going, this is ratchet. Holy shit. Like I'm stoned as fuck. Like this is an interesting movie. Yeah, like as not like, you know, kind of carnival-esque mode there. Um, but having read it, I'm actually gonna read it. Um, I read books with my uh, fiance who's in England, and I'm gonna read that. She's all about Harry Potter. I'm like, oh, I'll read that shit again. That's totally worth it. Uh, and it's funny because Krishnamurti came up in one of the most recent podcasts. I haven't scoped him much, but I've heard his name dropped a lot. We were talking more about how the uh, theosophists had hijacked him when he like broke out of his Stockholm syndrome situation or whatever was going on. Like I'm not aware of it really, but it sounds like he's pretty lit. Um, and I'm definitely going to scope that first book you mentioned, and a lot of those authors I haven't ever even heard of. So I'm glad you're kind of dropping. It's like woke reading Rainbow. I'm like, oh shit, okay, gotta check this shit out. Um, Raphael, you got any thoughts?
0: Well, of course we can include uh, many more authors within this, but yeah, it just points back again to what I said. You know, those who know what's up, they just know what's up. And uh, I also like Jordan how you explain this idea of why there is an even higher morality beyond morality, especially within the positive polarization, just like you said, because you realize everything is you. And well, I at least for myself would be pretty silly to hurt myself more than I still deem absolutely necessary for whatever uh, strange reason. However, what I'd like to do is um, go to the intersection, or the point where the rubber meets the road. As you mentioned entrepreneurship obviously and it will very much depend on each and every one of us how this looks like we are right within yet another so-called great reset that is i would say obvious by now and the whole question of course will be how shall we re-emerge from that and also how shall we social life but also value exchange meaning you know, economy or the provision of services and so on, then and especially also how should the communication look between companies. So just as an example, just recently did an interview with a group of uh, Swiss companies, about 70 of them. And what they did actually, which I found quite profound, especially for, you know, Swiss companies that, as you would assume generally, you know, would have more than enough money and so on to go a different path but what they do is they actually combine their research and development uh, departments or efforts. So they are consciously and actively working towards creating, you know, services and product that actually are, uh, as they call it, um, grand uh, grandchildren proof. So just in the sense of, you know, thinking properly, uh, including the idea of how much material you use, how do you dispose of it? Is it really useful? All of these things. And, uh, also, they agreed within the interview that for them now, there is a much higher motive, obviously, than just profit maximization. And that is actually, you know, the provision of a, how should I say, safe, healthy and abundant environment for themselves and their children. And that, of course, completely changes the game from just the numbers and figures uh, idea, especially if you have such bad and fraudulent accounting as we have today. So any thoughts on that?
2: Mm, yeah. Amazing, amazing thoughts. Um, it's one one quote that came to mind as you were talking was um from Buckminster Fuller, who said you never change things by fighting the existing reality to change things, build a new paradigm that makes the old paradigm obsolete. And um that's what I love about entrepreneurs. I feel like a lot of people are engaged in this kind of polarized, like, like fight with reality. A lot of people in the kind of more political or activist space, they're like, they're operating from an energy of resentment and polarization. And they're just kind of trying to, you know, rage against the machine and, and like fight the existing reality without really offering viable alternatives a lot of the time and without, and, and when you're really engaged in that fight with the existing reality, Your energy is so wrapped up in that that you, you can't – you you aren't allowing your energy to go into visioning, feeling, building, and acting from the new and the energy of the new, which I think was the profound insight that Fuller was pointing to. And so, um, yeah, I, I really um, – my entrepreneurial journey began actually about at the point that we left off in my story. So maybe it's relevant to just mention that I was – I was in college having these realizations that I was speaking about, and then at the same time, I started to realize that um, there were a bunch of people, like bloggers on the internet, who had found a way to earn a living um, doing what they loved and like sharing valuable messages and creating content and stuff like this, and that really sparked something in me, and I started to dream about like, oh, how can I become... An entrepreneur. How can I become a digital nomad where I can literally just travel the world, go wherever I want, be my own boss, work on my own projects, and really just like follow my bliss, follow my highest joy? And so I started started a blog in 2012 called Refine the Mind, and then and then I I took off right after college to move to Asia for 16 months. Actually, taught English in South Korea for a year and then traveled around Asia. <clears throat> and that was the beginning of a nomadic journey that's led me to uh, 33 countries or so now at this point. And that entire time I kept blogging, kept like kind of building an audience online. And then by 2015, I had begun blogging for highexistence.com. And I would soon after become a co-owner of highexistence.com. And that that is what enabled me to Quit my last day job in 2015 and just kind of go all in on high existence and just like thinking, yeah, let's, let's find a way to make this work. I want to, I want to live this dream. And I did that for about uh, four and a half years, creating like, creating a lot of articles, podcasts, videos, courses, retreats, psychedelic retreats on multiple continents through high existence. And then more recently stepped back into an advisory role at high existence and kind of broke off to focus entirely on doing my own thing, focusing on creating my own, like just focusing on my rap music, focusing on my own different creative modalities, still writing a lot, creating courses. And then more recently, I created a mastermind for shamanic entrepreneurs called Ouroboros Shamanic Entrepreneurship. Ouroboros is this kind of new container that's been coming through and it's really yeah, focused on focused on the intersection of of mysticism, non-duality, awakening, and entrepreneurship. Um, so everything we talked about earlier, and then the entrepreneurial piece. And it's really emerged, emerged in a major way out of the tectonic shifts that are happening right now that you're speaking to. I do think we're in this time of a, a deep, deep reset, a monumental kind of transition. Everything's being shaken up. And there was really – When I saw the way that the world reacted to the coronavirus situation, actually, when I saw the level of just reactivity, panic, fear, when I saw the level of fear mongering uh, systematically in the media. And and when I saw the way that the great mass of people were just seemingly quite easily convinced to just kind of fall in line and start sacrificing um, like untold numbers of of freedoms just to like fall in line with this um, this kind of systematic scare propaganda campaign that really activated something in me. And I was just like, okay, we really need to build, we need to start building the new earth. We need to take this from the level of uh, like, because I feel the new earth begins internally. It is, it is the realization of, it is, it is the kind of popping of your paradigm of consciousness and expanding into a greater paradigm of consciousness where you realize that Heaven is actually already here for those who have eyes to see it. The kingdom of heaven is accessible now and it's in that space beyond right and wrong that Rumi pointed to. But then at a certain point, as as more and more people have these mystical spiritual insights and realizations and we reach like a critical mass, actually at a certain point the rubber does have to meet the road and we have to start uh, – naturally the external civilization like wants – wants and needs and must shift to mirror the paradigm of collective consciousness that we're in the external civilization can really be nothing except a faithful mirror of the internal paradigm of consciousness so as the internal paradigm starts to shift many people will start to feel a call to put boots on the ground and actually ground these lofty mystical insights into real world creations and actually create from that place and it sounds like you know the, the example of the Swiss companies you're speaking to would be an example of people starting to create something from a paradigm that goes beyond um, the kind of orange meme in Spiral Dynamics, which is just based on profit maximization and starts to move into some of the higher developmental paradigms potentially.
0: Just but thank I'm- you, because Spiral Dynamics by Ken Wilber, I assume someone else you may add, uh, is always the example i bring up. Even in those conversations, I think it lays out so nicely, even though by now I may even have issues with their timeline and so on. But just as a general, as you said yourself, the map is not uh, the terrain. Um I think it's really, really useful and really helps a lot to differentiate and see that it's all about getting to what they call second tier. So it's even past the green, past the fear of not including someone, because if all is one and one is all nothing and no one can really be excluded and really get to this, I believe that and call it integral or a holistic view. And this is where I see not just psychologically and in terms of you know communication science or whatever great benefits, but in terms of spirituality and synchronicity, like this is literally a, a system or a level that whatever was before cannot even begin to quote unquote compete with. Even though of course we are beyond a competition at this point. I think you catch my drift.
2: Mm. Yeah, totally. Um, Spiral Dynamics is a beautiful framework. It's, yeah, it is just a framework. So, of course, it can't contain the territory, as you say, which is always great to remember. But as far as frameworks go, I think it's one of the most useful that i've come across to look at like the evolution of culture the evolution of civilization and how that ties in with the evolution of consciousness i think it was actually innovated by i can't remember the guy's name right now the the original innovator of spiral dynamics but then ken wilber kind of piggybacked on that and like further developed the model and kind of extended it off in new directions and tied it in more with with consciousness and stuff but um but yeah really um i feel that one really crucial piece of all this i feel right now is that the a lot of the wisest people on the planet or at least the people who have who have tasted like the wisdom that lies beyond all intellectualization and all kind of games of the mind the wisdom that just emerges out of the stillness and silence of pure consciousness the wisdom that the plant medicines can give us access to or that we can find in deep meditation or through various other modalities a lot of these people a lot, a lot of these communities, the the global spiritual and psychedelic communities, there are like tremendous, tremendous blocks and limiting beliefs around money and business. There's like, there's like leftover, there's leftover kind of baggage from, um, from earlier stages of of consciousness development. So like green meme stage, as you mentioned, tends to have a lot of blocks around uh, money and business because there are all these limiting stories that money is the root of all evil and capitalism is the devil and what's interesting is that we've we've developed these stories because we've mostly seen in our lifetimes the use of money in business by lower paradigms of consciousness if someone is in a paradigm of consciousness based on scarcity and separation and competition then of course they're going to just use money and business as a competition and try to try to win and try to maximize wealth at the expense of everyone else but from a higher paradigm of consciousness that recognizes that we are all one, money and business on the deepest level are actually neutral tools and they can then be repurposed in an integrous, conscious way to, for actually uh, omni win win purposes. Like really integrous, integrous businesses can actually create huge kind of win win situations. And so I think that we really need to like, When I look at the world and I look who's really like building a new paradigm, everywhere I look, it's entrepreneurs. And so I feel we really need to ignite kind of a wildfire in the global spiritual and psychedelic community that allows for a totally new paradigm and reframe of wealth and money and business. We need to deeply realize that. We're not going to be able to buy land and build like permacultural and regenerative agriculture projects and like new earth testing grounds and like flow sanctuaries and ayahuasca centers and all this stuff that we want to build if we don't have capital. Because at the moment, money, capital, whether we like it or not, is still an absolutely integral technology for how our civilization functions. And we may be moving towards something that is beyond money and beyond business as we know it presently, which I'm sure that we are. But for the moment, we need to really understand that to get beyond what is currently there, you 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 need to leverage whatever is right in front of you, whatever the most powerful tools are in front of you, you can leverage the existing civilizational infrastructure to kind of point toward, move toward, begin to build what comes next. And so that's like, that's become quite a, a profound, um, almost obsession of mine at this point is like, how do we fuse? How do we marry the mystical and the pragmatic? How do we marry spiritual awakening and entrepreneurship to actually build second tier, as you say, organizations that are, that are just fundamentally rooted in a different paradigm of consciousness and point toward a more, you know, the more beautiful world that our hearts know is possible as Charles Eisenstein puts it.
1: It's not surprising. This is the justice card. It's both and right. Simultaneously, you got to be in the world, but not of it slash, um, you know, dream big, but like, you know, chop wood and carry water, <laughs> like that kind of stuff. Um, it's funny because I've saw, I don't know where I saw it, I think, i don't even know where i saw it but there was some special on slab city out in uh, southern california i think or maybe out in nevada i forgot exactly where it is um but it's basically the last place in america with no laws and on the one hand it's a bunch of people whose spirit is there and this kind of comes up in the movie easy rider as well with uh cannabis growing culture thing um the spirit is there at slab city uh, with people who want to be free and do stuff but then you like see like the janky kind of like well I use solar panels to like heat the water and I charge three bucks like it could be done so much more efficiently probably and even dare I say more polished um, it's kind of like you know in hook like the Lost Boys do good enough but like what if they had like a little more long-term thinking I guess or you know utilize the resources I'm kind of curious Rafael, what you think because what, you guys are speaking the same language I haven't checked out Spiral Time Dynamics clearly I need to um but how because especially as an astrologer um, myself like I've see I see people who are like and I'm nothing against them but they're like trying to maintain certain realities uh, and therefore charging quite a bit and I think this thing should be free but like you're saying um, we're living in a paradigm where money is necessary or whatever at this point so I try to charge as little as possible for the value I exchange um and it seems there's incrementalism or whatever so it's not like oh you know crush the skulls and take all the money you can get that's kind of probably where we've been coming from and now, but we're not yet to like oh everything is free and everything's awesome and it's you know money is is a past bygone era situation we're kind of in the transition mode um rafael or jordan what do you guys see in terms of the practicality of degrees of that in like, like you're saying, like if people want to get an ayahuasca center built, they're probably going to have to have credit and things like that. Um, how much of us should be li- like kind of living in? And it's not either or. I'm trying to, try to get, I mean, it's not a false dichotomy. I'm trying to set up. It's like to what degree, I guess, should we trust the, the Dao to provide to provide what we need? So like asking you to receive kind of things versus like you know, God helps those who helps themselves kind of philosophy
2: hmm yeah um a bunch of stuff comes up in relation to that i would say i think um you can completely trust yourself to the dow and yet the dow as i said before the dow the totality of all that is it's just it's living you it's moving you you can you can try to be still but you're you're just going to dance a dance no matter what and so you know i think more and more of us are Are being summoned by the all to kind of dance the dance of helping ourselves to actually realize and recognize that our impact, our ability to impact what is happening and influence what is happening will only be amplified if we start to create more wealth for ourselves. Because wealth opens up the ability to no longer have this like survival anxiety running in your brain of like, how am I gonna pay next month's bills, which just saps a lot of energy and is like built in so deep that most of us don't have much hope of entirely uprooting that program. So when you transcend that, it frees up a ton of energy. And as you start to accumulate wealth, you can start thinking about bigger level <clears throat> bigger level projects like buying land and building some kind of center or like scaling your business so that it can, it can actually influence more people. And the other thing that came up with regard to making stuff free or as cheap as possible at this point i actually think about think about that in quite a different way because what i see when i look at the current internet landscape is a landscape that is now so oversaturated with signals there's literally like an infinitude of bullshit constantly vying for every single person's attention we live in the most like f- attention fragmented era of history. And so actually, if you create something powerful that you think has a ton of value, for instance, like I'm currently working on building this um, Ouroboros school of wealth and wizardry that is going to help people do this kind of deep wealth reprogramming and activate as entrepreneurs, I'm actually going to charge a premium price, a premium tuition for entrance into that school. And the reason I'm going to do that is that Making a significant investment in something like that is actually powerful enough to cut through the noise and bullshit and get someone to actually focus on that thing and not only focus on absorbing the information, but actually focus on implementing it and focus on undergoing an identity level transformation to actually activate those latent archetypes of the entrepreneur and the creator, the manifester, the innovator and actually step into that power. So the investment is actually a key piece of what activates the transformation and activates the focusing mechanism in the human organism so that they will actually use the fucking attentional katana to slice away the bullshit and focus on the thing that they just invested a thousand or two thousand or five thousand dollars to to undertake. So that's, that's – My not, grandpa used yeah. to say
1: when you have skin in the game, you're going to take it a little differently. That's kind of what you're getting at. I mean if you go to Walmart, grab bins or whatever. It's like you might value that very differently than like if you've saved many paychecks for this item or whatever. Um, just, But that gets kind of into the structural culture. It gets. It's not paradoxical. It's You see what I'm saying. It's like on the one hand, we're like fuck these values. But then we're like, but we're going to use these values. <laughs> so it's like wh- how does this – it, I'm not even what you're saying I, I think it's admirable and I see the logic with what you're coming from um, I'm just kind of musing out loud so I don't even have a point what I'm saying but um, I think there's a lot of idealism uh, going on right now over the past few years so definitely since 2012 for sure uh, and people want to be in it's funny people want to be somewhere where they haven't walked fully to yet so it's like tricky there um, you kind of do have to like it seems put in some effort and tour in terms of like building the world we want to see as opposed to just like well shambhala is here and oh my gosh i'm just like we've been pushing the easy button too much i think we're cultured uh to and accustomed to um you know instant gratification and, and ease and things coming that like very easily and i'm not saying things should be challenging but like uh, you know, as they say, it took a long time to build Rome. I think the new Jerusalem will take a minute to build in some sense. The analogies fail at some level. You get my point though, I think.
2: Yeah. I think, uh, one thing that comes up is that, yeah, the skin in the game thing is actually really real and vital. At least it has been in my experience because to me, money is really just like life force energy. It's a way that we've, it's a way we've discovered how to like quantify life force energy and turn it into a medium of exchange and so when i literally take like you know i've made i've made significant investments into mentorship and into masterminds and into programs and containers designed to help me level up as an entrepreneur and as a human being and i can tell you when i've made significant you know multiple four-figure investments in myself when i've put that skin in the game like there's like an immediate you could feel an immediate energetic shift where you're like oh shit i'm not i'm not fucking around anymore apparently because if i'm gonna put that much like like life force energy into the game that much hard earned kind of skin in the game i'm gonna step up and do the thing that i'm committing to do and intending to do through this process so there, there really is like a a powerful mechanism in a way that that money can actually be be used in a generative fashion in transformational containers and um with regard to like whether our culture has become kind of stagnant or lazy um you know i think it's it's all relative on the deepest level things are as they are and things are as perfect as they are however i think yeah from the relative human perspective it, it does tend to be the case that like you know, what's that what's that meme with the cycles that says like times of war make strong men, strong men create oh, yeah. like times of prosperity, times of prosperity create weak men, weak men create like times of war or something like that. I think so there, the snake eats yeah. itself forever. Yeah. yeah. I think there is something to that, and I think, you know, we start to see these emerging crises and resets right now, and this is starting to activate people who are totally lost in the slumber of like, you know, being just morbidly obese, eating potato chips on the couch and, and just thinking that life was never gonna change, to be like, oh shit, maybe I should actually um, get in shape and take care of myself. Apparently, you know, anything can happen. And um, actually those around me may 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 need me to be in more of like a, a sovereign, empowered, strong leadership state of being to to navigate the waters ahead. Um, so yeah, I think you know it's really it's really beautiful how life again just orchestrates whatever is necessary to just like initiate the next chapter and how it's just like such a such a, a wondrously orchestrated unfolding all of it when you start to really see how it's just all synchronistically entwined and it and it's just perfect and it's just beautiful to settle in and enjoy the ride really and the, the dance
1: that's what's up so you were mentioning Lao Tzu earlier i read the jinkies every morning with my uh Fiance, which is kind of etching-based stuffs, um, and I pull a hexagram every morning now because I've been reading this. So I'm like, "Oh, hexagrams cool." Um, the, and it, I realized earlier it's kind of obvious, but like the Tao that can be named is not the Tao. Is very much another translation of the map is not the territory. It's like if you can articulate it, it probably isn't the thing. That doesn't mean. Don't, you know, at some level, sure, never speak, but it's like, try your best. It's this weird paradox. I mean, I think I'm coming to realizations of like the paradox of reality where it's like, it's both. I mean, and I say that all the time, but there's a difference between intellectually understanding that and then like ec- phenomenologically experiencing it or whatever, you know, head to heart knowledge kind of thing. Um, is there anything in particular about uh, Taoism or Lao Tzu that has helped you specifically, or like, how do you utilize that tool or uh, perspective?
2: Yeah, good question. Um, I think Lao Tzu was not the author of the I Ching, uh, only the Tao Te Ching, just for clarification. And I guess no one even knows who Lao Tzu really was, or if he really existed, but let's take take it that he wrote the Tao Te Ching. Um, Yeah, I love that first sentence of the Tao Te Ching, the way that can be told is not the eternal way, or the Tao that can be told is not the eternal Tao. I've written it before as um, the territory that can be mapped is not the eternal territory. So basically saying the same thing as what you're saying. And one thing that reminds me of is earlier in the conversation when you talked about like not burning the maps, but like holding them loosely. I think that was a good pointer to like what I meant by burning the maps is like learning how to access that space that is beyond all the maps, learning how to actually through intense presence and consciousness dissolve as much of the conditioning and ideological, um, and belief structures as possible so that you return to the kind of blank slate, like unconditioned state, which is like our natural state and, and, and is the state of, of the awakened mind, the beginner's mind. However, like the more you can enter that state, <clears throat> what's really interesting is your mind doesn't just like permanently dissolve all those, all those previous mental models and maps and structures. It basically just, it like, completely disidentifies from them so previously it had attached to them and made an identity out of them now they just become tools that basically come online at the perfect moment and you don't even have to like decide this or dictate it you just flow through life and at the moment when a certain model is useful or relevant or needed it comes online it's it's helpful and then you just let it go again um as far as taoism goes like i feel like even even making like a an ism out of Lao Tzu's poetic articulations of the Tao, like it kind of feels like any ism at this point ends up turning into like an organized religion that misses the point and just becomes like another another doctrine thumping like Bible thumping. Um, facsimile of the original like mystical insights which is what raphael was pointing out earlier with the um dimension of the perennial philosophy which is beautiful to mention because yeah literally like all the great mystics of every tradition have have always been saying the same thing and it's really funny and crazy when you start to to notice that but yeah to me lao tzu basically just in one of the most poetic and succinct books of all time just expressed it wrote down one of the most beautiful articulations of truth that has ever been encoded. One of the most beautiful, like fingers pointing at the unsayable moon that humanity has generated. And it's really beautifully, it really activated something in me when I first read it, maybe back in 2013 or something, just this sense of like, Oh, there's a way to flow with life where, you act, but you don't force anything like Wu Wei is the, is the concept in, in the Dao De Ching that points at effortless action, non-action, non-forcing, where you're basically just, just completely surrendered to life and life is living you. And you're just, you're just flowing and it's effortless and, and just pointing at like the ultimate secret to life being to drop all resistance, like really just resist nothing except this moment unconditionally as it is. And that is liberation. And, um, yeah, it was just one of the early articulations that kind of seeded that for me. And I just continue returning to it over the years. Um, and, um, yeah, I think it's just, a, it's just a beautiful pointer.
1: Dope. Yeah. You're obviously fucking team rabbit hole. I knew, as soon as I saw some of the stuff you were doing, I was like, i got to get this guy <laughs> on here. Because uh, it's nice to find the others, you know what I mean? Like, at some level, uh, I think everyone's kind of in their own place on the trip. Um, Raphael has very much been a Morpheus, more or less for me, and a lot of uh, – I mean, I would uh, – <laughs> I stumbled upon him because I posted some DMT trip report where I was like my first time I was talking to Egyptian deities and having kundalini activations and stuff. I'm just like, what the fuck is this guy's? Like, was this youngian Like, what is going on? And he responded to me and I was tripping on acid when he did, and I thought he was like a spy. I was like all paranoid. But um over the years, that was probably twenty fifteen, over the years, like he's been a valuable resource in uh human value. Where I can bounce it's ideas a off. Spy. Oh, totes, definitely. Uh, sometimes when Andreas is on here, I'm like, is he a fucking Russian bot? Like, what is happening?
0: Uh, yeah, he's a Russian bot. Yeah. <laughs> um, or uh, other question would be if I should be charging you, no, but just to maybe uh, get into a little bit more differentiated layer of uh, what you mentioned, Jordan. And generally, of course, I completely agree. Especially if we make it so simple as to say, money is the root of all evil. Give give it all away. That's kind of what the church would be telling you you know, look at what the church has been doing with your money. So <laughs> so just, you know, a simple example. Um, and just generally, I'd say uh, I paid uh, 4K uh, for the very first module of my Master of Science in Systems Theory. And even though I already was at the quite, let's say, in a sense, out there university, just because it was remote studies and you were kind of free and it was kind of a good system, Open University in UK, actually a state university, um, I still quit it because, uh, I realized in a sense, there is too much resistance and just, uh, many other reasons, but put in a different way, it was a very small price to pay extra to realize that I don't want to pursue, uh, you know, further degrees within that, you know, particular framework or, or system as to say studying systems theory. And then speaking of this, also what I'd like to mention is what may be you know, um incumbent, let's say, and again, it will depend on us in which direction this pans out. But what's pretty clear is, especially if we come together on a higher consciousness and not so much with the scarcity mindset, this will also, I claim now, very much necessitate a restructuring of the very fundamentals of that system, meaning how money is created, quote unquote, and uh, how it is accounted for, because as I'm sure you well know, you know, there's the strangest things going on there. And um, this certainly has to be changed because if a system is set up to bankrupt individuals, I mean, that's not, you know, the positive paradigm, even economic system, I guess anyone would want if that's an inbuilt, you know, mechanism along with uh, lots of waste. However, at the same time, of course, I think someone earlier mentioned capitalism is the devil. Yeah, well, maybe, however, that what is proposed as communism as the antidote is, you know, a devil, a, a few uh, seller levels lower in the about the, you know, 13th circle of hell, probably. And then the last thing I'd like to say is um, regarding all that money. And I g- guess you would actually agree. Whilst it is good to like, you know, value yourself and just accept it as a tool and permission slip as everything else. Um, I would say or suggest in a sense, however, not quote, unquote, waiting to be paid in order to, you know, follow your excitement, build your business, start your creativity, or whatever else. So yeah, anything you'd like to comment about all of that, kind of go ahead.
2: Yeah, totally resonate with the last point about not waiting to be paid to follow your bliss, follow your excitement, because actually, what you learn over time is that if you are pouring a lot of energy into some misaligned, like rat race job that you hate just to try to pay the bills and accumulate some money so that you can eventually retire and eventually do what you love. Um, that just becomes a massive, massive trap because it's it's sucking so much energy that it's very hard to begin um, carving, forging the path that diverges from that. Whereas when you drop that Suddenly, there's a massive, massive influx of energy and inspiration, and and like a, a um, uh, what would the word be? Like a a, a a forcing function where it's just like, oh, now I just don't have that thing anymore that I was relying on. So I really must forge a different path. I must make it work. I must find a way to like live my bliss, live my excitement. And I think that that's that's the place where people are most likely to make it happen, where they almost they throw themselves into a new spiritual energetic psychological environment that it, where there's almost no plan b and they just have to find a way to make it work they quit the job they move to peru or southeast asia or something like that and they just and they just find a way uh to make it work and um mm, oh there was one other thing that i was going to say with regard to that what was it um
0: maybe talk if any you have any comment on the idea of let's say uh financial reform quote unquote mm. mm-hmm. or even free markets or uh, federal reserve you know however you want to put it it is different things of course but yeah yeah or communism yeah, for that yeah. matter
2: <laughs> yeah totally i i don't um i i won't claim to be an expert on the the super the deep the deep dna of the economic and financial system but i do know enough to you know i've seen a lot that has led me to feel that the the federal reserve is one of the most, you know, uh, corrupt kind of corrupt institutions that is really just like, uh, like pillaged really like swindled, um, the people of the world out of tremendous amounts of capital. And I do think that that aspect and other aspects of the current economic system make it from the human, human vantage point, kind of a, like a fundamentally exploitative system. It's created in an exploitative way. So I think we could create markets and create economic systems that are not fundamentally that way. And yet I don't think the answer is to just like attempt to completely drop out of the current system or not use it. I think again, that the answer is to recognize that on the deepest level, everything is actually neutral and we can harness the energies of the current system, which are tremendous. There is like there is tremendous amount of energy and impact to be harnessed by by utilizing money and business within the current system to then create spheres, testing grounds, where we can actually play with these ideas of new types of economic systems, um, post-capitalist paradigms, and start to um, innovate the things that will actually allow us to transcend that exploitative system over time.
0: Right. Uh, makes sense so maybe my question would go into the direction uh also of to what degree it may actually be an you know inherent responsibility again just ability to respond because one becomes aware of it example again you know world money supply however uh of course for me ultimately it's completely how should i say for ninety nine 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 percent of interactions completely superfluous to have an accounting system if we would use our resources only somewhat wisely and of course, along the lines of Thorstein Veblen, the theory of the leisure class, even that got kind of you know twisted up into technocracy. but the basic idea that uh, once you have a certain uh, living standard, you actually don't need to care about material things that much anymore, and uh, how could you put true emotion, or let's say love into a monetary package, that's, I mean, you can kind of provide that through yourself, but that's not something you can really put a price tag on and reproduce at will. So and many, many other things, you know, social costs, whatever, uh, not being accounted for within the system. So basically, my question would be, to what extent it may actually be a calling, uh, just as well to actively engage in more alternative forms of energy exchange accounting systems, so on and so forth. I know these projects aren't new, both historically and also recently. These things, at least I know, have been talked about for a good, let's say, 12 years at the very least after the 2008 crisis. And uh, yeah, some, let's say, small systems do exist, of course, because it's not, you know, central command and control. There is nothing that is, worldwide implemented, except maybe cryptos, which are just, you know, one step in a certain direction. But let me put it differently in terms of sovereignty. Wouldn't there also be an aspect as to kind of make sure if I want to make business in the best possible way that I also have simply put, again, more responsibility about my own, you know, account about the transmission within the system, about the security about the trust fundamentally, which is again, you know, credit, credere, belief, right? Trust within each other. Because right now, with this type of banking system, it's all completely outsourced to a third party that has by now repeatedly and well, well proven, effed everyone over multiple times, just thinking about the LIBOR scandal, I guess, in Europe or whatever. And there's too many of those. So what do you think about uh, that particular angle in terms of taking back really responsibility also for that system and not just outsourcing it to a third party that obviously cannot really be trusted.
2: Mm. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, It makes me think of a friend of mine who's really deep in the crypto world and is basically a proponent of taking all your fiat and transferring it to crypto and just says like, if we just take our money out of that system we we deplete the life force energy of that system and then everything everything has to transform and um i yeah i'm i'm invested in crypto i have some of my some of my assets in crypto um i don't i don't claim to be an expert in this area if i knew more maybe i would be more invested and maybe i would be translating my assets into more of these other systems that that you're pointing at that i'm not not really really aware of i guess um you know, it's 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 tricky. It's just there's such a
0: maybe just mentioning briefly because it's not even about being an expert in crypto. Then that's just, you know, a certain step. There's things like, let's say, time banking. There's things like uh, local currencies that apparently don't completely get squashed anymore as they did before. And just and even just, you know, even if you would use, you know, continue using probably even digital U.S. dollars or something, even there, of course, I would say. Can be seen in the responsibility in terms of even here where you put it, whether you allow it to be, you know, siphoned off, which at least the last years is mostly what had happened. And that's also giving it the bad rap, aside from fundamentally being, I would say, and I think this is a true statement, kind of an accounting accounting (laughs) fraud, the whole operation. (laughs) Um so uh yeah, again, just the, the general idea of um in a holistic view, also to the best of everyone's abilities, making sure that I'm using systems that within themselves also are acting towards or representing, let's say, the reality that I wish to experience. I think you see what I'm saying.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think I see what you're saying. Um, I think that's a really good, honorable idea. I think when I when I think about that, it's it's something that I feel like is kind of A rabbit hole one could go down and maybe i'm maybe i'm misinterpreting it but to me when i think about oh should i now undertake this project of researching how exactly to you know move move my resources through the world in the way that does the least amount of harm and that filters them through the systems that are most similar to the ones that i feel i want to see emerge um That that feels like something that could, just like, take up a lot of a lot of life force energy and attention that I then would not be directing toward, like, pouring into projects that just more organically are wanting to flow out of me that have the potential to reach people and transform people with healing and liberating signals and help and assist in raising the frequency of the planet. So I think that it's not necessarily. I don't. I think each individual has to do what is indicated for them in the context of their reality tunnel. And I don't think any of us can do otherwise anyway. We all just consistently, constantly do exactly what is indicated in the context of our present paradigm and reality tunnel. So I can say that for myself at this point, I haven't found myself going too far down that rabbit hole because I'm I'm compelled in in the direction of of focusing most of my energy on my – Relationships, my creative projects, and then just my my personal process of of internally transforming and liberating myself, which really just I guess kind of happens of its own accord, but which I think is maybe the most fundamental thing is the internal level of of the liberation of consciousness, because I think again the external reality cannot transform until the internal reality transforms. The, the external reality just faithfully mirrors. And reports on the, in, in a delayed fashion, the, um, the shifts that have occurred in the internal reality. And so I think when a certain paradigm of consciousness is reached collectively, then a lot of these shifts will happen more organically and naturally and it's great. I, I find it beautiful that already many people are feeling compelled by the energy of all that is to invest a lot of energy and attention in, into visioning these systems and figuring out how to put their resources into these systems and figuring out how to begin to birth this, this new paradigm of economics. It doesn't feel to me like the time is yet ripe for a mass transition that way. It just feels like the masses are still far too deeply entrenched in, in the old paradigm. And as I'm saying, I myself am, you know, am probably still fairly entrenched in the old paradigm in terms of a lot of like, just kind of unconscious habits of how I move through the world and use my resources. So, um, yeah, I guess that's, that's what comes up in relation to what you're saying. Well,
1: don't feel too bad. You are an Aries and not a Capricorn. So it's not like, I think you'll find that much pleasure, <laughs> particularly in, you know, sitting around and plotting, about like how to funnel into um, woke Switzerland accounts or you know whatever the model would be, um, Bitcoin. You know, like you'll do it, but I think you're more more actionable and like like hey, I want to be inspired and on fire. That kind of dulls your fire. Not to say you won't do it. I can't speak for you fully. I don't know you that well, but just simply based off your sun sign in astrology, it's like yeah, you're not going to want to sit around like Scrooge fucking McDuck in Ducktales and just be like yes, I know how to work this. It's going to be more, <laughs> you know uh kit cloud kicker from tail spinners and it's like I wanna go surf the fucking waves and if people want to sponsor me, cool. Um and I'm on that wave a little too. Um and Raphael's an air sign. So I think we intellectualize a lot of this, but um different people's proclivities based off of their charts, based off of where they what they're preferring in a sense so like what their preferences are uh do get fleshed out in the uh in the reality tunnel like you're saying you, you are what you is in a sense uh and that's another paradox that kind of comes up it's like you are what you are but like it's open source so it seems like there's like kind of um almost like honeycomb of a beehive it's like solid but not really it's like it, it can melt and mold and adapt but like there's a framework to it um what would be some of the things that you would tell other people and, and i really do like the fact that you're doing like um you know kind of like your own mystery school it sounds like uh, Mr. School meets like you know, entrepreneurship basically, it's like Hogwarts business or something. I don't know how you would look <laughs> at it, but um, what are some of the things that you uh, are trying to instill in the relationships that you find? You're, I mean, you're in Mexico right now, so you're still, and I do, do think it's still, I've traveled a lot, I lived in Switzerland and Ecuador and Australia and stuff, so I get the travel thing. Um, I'm kind of – my brain just went buckshot. So it's like I'm saying props. Good job. How would you tell people to live their highest excitement? What are you trying to surround yourself with? Like do you have like – I mean the DAO is shifting so much lately that the dream is kind of hard to plot. But like how are you making plans if at all?
2: Um, Great question. So a couple of funny synchronicities that came up as you were talking for one – I had just written some copy for the, the school the other day and I had written like a real life Hogwarts for the strange future or something like that. So It's funny that you refer to the school as a Hogwarts because I had just, I'd kind of been thinking of it that way too. And the other funny thing is that my girlfriend is actually a Capricorn who's like super oh, deep, super deep in the systemic uh, systems theory and shifting the economic system and um With shifting your powers
1: And
2: so, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm really like, like, like yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm also really interested in this stuff and learning a lot from her. Although, yeah, as you say, I don't have as as natural of a proclivity to go deep into the weeds on that because I'm so much yeah, I'm so much just like riding the wave of what feels really most alive and exciting right now and just like creating from that that kind of flame so the yeah, the Aries Capricorn identification seems to seems to fit quite nicely. But yeah, I'll be curious to. See. I think there's some beautiful synergies emerging between she and I due to our our yeah complementary interests in that way. But with regard to um, living your highest joy, following your bliss at this stage, I don't really um I don't really plan so much at this at this point. I um I usually can see like. Like on one hand, I have visions kind of coming through that that I, that extend potentially where I can see possibilities like dancing around that could be like months or years in the future. And I'm like, oh, things might go that way, but I'm just not attached to that. I mostly focus on like, okay, what are the next like couple weeks? And I just trust that like the next the next steps will always be revealed because I've just more and more realized that if I'm... Focusing so much on trying to plan the future, which is impossible, then I'm just like draining a lot of energy that could be focused on simply most fully taking the next aligned or indicated action in the now, which is all that we can ever do. We're all we're 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 all like frozen in the now. We never visit the past or future. We're actually just always here now. And all there ever is is the next action right in front of us. Though so I mostly just focus on how can I like direct all my attention and energy toward doing taking the next aligned indicated action with like full presence and focus and just continuing to ride that wave of intrinsic motivation ride that wave of joy and just trust like I'm, i just am continuously kind of watching the signals in terms of like synchronicities and intuitions and people popping up in my sphere and ideas popping up in my sphere and i'm just like following the threads and it's kind of like i've just come into this state of like co-creative allowing with reality where where it just feels like life is kind of living me and i just have to keep an eye out for the signals and the patterns indicating like which direction to move next and really it feels like god or like the infinite intelligence of all that is speaks to us most clearly through like our highest joy and what really makes us come alive and through that thread of intrinsic motivation so that's one of the signals that i Trust the most is just like what really makes me come alive because then I'm, then I'm just like being that aliveness and I'm just like rippling and radiating and emanating that in everything I do. And I feel that the effect of that everywhere one goes can really not be overstated. I think what we are being, what energy we are operating from is the most fundamental thing when it comes to shifting anything on this planet. Everything that we try to do will always be permeated with the energy of what we are, of the energy we're operating from, what we're being. So when we operate from that underlying infinite vitality and wisdom of all that is – we, we just like emanate that signal and it permeates everything we do and we just kind of come become like a, a beacon wherever we're going that has the potential to activate other people if they're ready to kind of be activated and, and undergo <clears throat> whatever kind of transformational journey. So I pretty much just like look at look at what feels most alive and exciting to work on day to day. And there are larger visions, but they're just like kind of constantly shifting and updating and having sex with each other. And I just try to keep like an infinite possibility space so that I can allow the vision to become whatever it wants to become, trusting that when I reach like the next the next whatever point of the vision, it will always be clear in that moment what the next step is to take. And I think that you can just always do that. I think you can always like launch yourself into that as a human being. But the main thing is the hardest part is really getting out of your own way which means like sufficiently dissolving and seeing through the many, many layers of mass programming that we've been basically like inundated and hypnotized with since birth that attempt to direct us into being everything but what we most truly and purely are in our heart of hearts. Um, So that's really the game is like dissolving all the conditioning. And when you get rid of all that through meditation or psychedelics or whatever other deep spiritual practice you want to undertake, suddenly you find yourself just effortlessly living your highest joy because that's all that that's all that's left you realize that that actually is the underlying reality of all times at all times is just like joy love flow and that that is all that's ever happening, but the stories of the mind and the conditioning of the mind make it seem otherwise. So really, once you get way far down, you find yourself being able to just be in that state no matter what you're doing, because again, it's just free of external conditions, and your highest joy just becomes whatever this moment contains, no matter what. And I'm not saying that I'm that I'm there, but um, I feel like that's where that's where this all eventually leads. So follow your bliss, follow your highest joy is just a, a really useful pointer. Again, that basically points at one of the most powerful ways that that God or our 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 truest self, all that is, speaks to us and points to the direction that will lead to the peeling back of all the layers and the the rediscovery of what we truly are.
1: That is what's up. I feel like you're kind of like Bodhi from uh, Point Break. <laughs> it's like you ride the big waves. And you're <laughs> Um, So you're doing good, and I'm a double Gemini, like I've said, so I'm kind of a student of life. I think conversation – I mean we said psychedelics, meditation, all this stuff, good conversations like what we've been talking about uh, can very much stimulate the imagination and the joy receptors and allow more dreaming to occur in a sense. Um, Reminds me of the M83 album title, Hurry Up, I Think We're Dreaming or something like that, Hurry Up, Let's Dream or something like that. Uh, and it's one thing, like, I, I don't know, I'm guilty, if anything, of just kicking around ideas and like, as opposed to like jumping into the schools of thought, if that makes sense. It's like, oh yeah, that's a cool art theory. And then like, not like doing a whole set of productions based off of this method or whatever. So it's like, I'm starting to hear more loud and clear. I need to shift my attention, uh, into some of the domains you've been referencing both, uh, in terms of, you know, books, but also just, um, Deprogramming. I mean, I'm starting to freak out—not freak out in a bad way, but it's like, holy shit, there's a lot of wires under this hood. Uh Some of it—it's all good, and there's lessons here. But it's like I got to start playing. Like, um, you—you're an American. You probably know. I don't know if Rafael would know the uh, Operation game <laughs> or whatever, where you got to like go in and it's like the buzzer goes off. It's like I'm—I'm I'm hitting some buzzers, and I'm like, oh shit. Okay, I've, I've got to just kind of like breathe, be, enjoy, and at the bottom line, uh, love. And that's the weird thing about love. It seems there's many shades of it. It's not just like love is like rainbows and you know acid trips. Um, It can be you know shattering your heart in a moment, like all the spectrum of reality of life. But we've signed up for this. We've embarked, and we're here now to do this thing. So I am really glad that we've stumbled upon you. uh, Got you on the podcast. I'd love to have you back on. Um, You're a cool guy, so I I could even imagine collaborating at some level. Um, We'll. Keep, I'll keep you posted on that. I just had some popped ideas. I was like, oh this might be interesting. This might be interesting. But um yeah, dude, you're like definitely on the front edge. I mean if you were doing all that shit back in twenty twelve, twenty thirteen, uh do the Southeast Asia stuff, I think you were probably one of the more uh you know airy shit pioneering on that front. So good job. Um are there any kind of thoughts you want to leave people with?
2: Hmm uh well just want to say thank you to you guys love the vibe here love the vibe of the conversation and what you guys are doing really enjoyed chilling with you guys and um if i was going to leave people with something i would really just say you are absolutely whole beautiful complete enough perfect just as you are now you can simply be as you are you can completely trust life Life does not make mistakes. There are no accidents. It will not lead you astray. You can completely trust. And um, the more that you are invited to let go of everything you you were ever taught that you were, everything you ever thought you were, the more that you can then discover what you truly are on a deeper level, which just leads to more and more beautiful vistas as the layers just peel back more and more. You just discover that this winding path that we're all on is truly a sublime and and gorgeous divine artwork, a profound, profound creation by an infinite imagination, which is what you truly are.
1: That's definitely what's up. Um, Yeah, Justice Card, you know, this is about um, getting your power back or whatever it said. Uh, And I think the, the ultimate power is just being, right? Just witness well and try to, you know find the others and walk each other home ramdas style like it, it's a fun trip i'm glad that uh there's people doing more than just thinking about it it seems like you're putting into practice so props uh yeah that's all i gotta say about it rafael
0: so it is thank you so much for joining thank you all for listening enjoy yourselves Radio okay.